Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you with Dr. Robert Lustig as we talk about your nutrition and keeping you alive. Doc, let's get right into some of this again. We were talking about processed foods and uh, on a 1 to 10, with 10 being the worst, how bad is a processed food system? Well, uh, first of all, there are different levels of processing. Um, my colleague, Dr. Carlos Montero, down in Sao Paulo, Brazil, developed a classification system. So think of it this way. Class 1 would be an apple coming right out of the ground. Okay. Class 2 would be apple slices, mechanically dispersed. Class 3 would be, say, apple sauce, where it's been pulverized and possibly some sugar has been added. Mm-hmm. And class 4 would be an apple drink where the fiber's been removed, and all sorts of other things have been added, too. So different levels of processing. What the data show is it's that class four, that ultra-processed food category, where different foods have been added together that never existed in nature, usually more than five ingredients at a time. Um, that's, the, uh, cla- that's the class that causes disease. The other three, not so much, but that class four, that's where all the disease is hiding. What about something like uh, salami or something like that? So salami is a processed food also. It has nitrates, uh, which cause uh, uh, colon cancer. Uh, It's not as bad uh, from a metabolic standpoint, but it is problematic from a cancer standpoint. And, you know, if you die of cancer, it's, you know, just as bad as if you die from heart disease. Absolutely. It's still an issue. Jeez. So nutrition has a lot to do with fighting off all these problems. Absolutely. It has everything to do with fighting off these problems. Basically, here's what you need to know whether or not a food is healthy. You know, the FDA, the USDA, they all have different definitions of what is healthy. I'm going to give you a new definition of what is healthy, and I explain in the book exactly why this works and the empiric evidence support it. Two things, two precepts, six words. Protect the liver, feed the gut. Uh Protect the liver from the onslaught of sugars, of uh, uh, omega-6 fatty acids, of iron, of glyphosate, of heavy metals, uh, branched-chain amino acids, leucine, isoleucine, valine, uh, trans fats. uh, Feed the gut. Feed the gut what? Well, it turns out they like fiber. They like soluble and insoluble fiber. And that is what's been taken out of processed food because you can't freeze fiber. Try it. Take an orange, put it in your freezer, take it out the next day, put it on your kitchen counter, try to eat it, see what you get. You get mush. Why? The ice crystals macerate the cell wall, allow all the water to rush in, Hey, food industry knows that. What do they do? Squeeze it and freeze it. Now it lasts forever. Now it's frozen concentrated orange juice. Now they can sell it on the commodities market because it's storable food. No depreciation. They make boatloads of money. And guess what? You get sick. Some people aren't getting COVID. They're not vaccinated and they're just not getting COVID. Uh, Knock on wood, I'm one of them. What are we doing? Well, one thing is, The NIH and the CDC have appropriately uh, identified masking, hand-washing, and social distancing. All correct. They have missed the fourth thing, the fourth leg of the stool, the food. So there are three groups 
aside from the elderly, there are three demographic groups that have increased morbidity and mortality with relation to COVID. Number one, people of color. Number two, the obese. Number three, pre-existing conditions, all these diseases of metabolic syndrome we've been talking about. And what do those three share in common? Ultra-processed food consumption. So why does ultra-processed food lead to COVID morbidity and mortality? Three reasons. Number one, the um, insulin, the high insulin from the insulin resistance, insulin increases the uh, expression of the receptor on your cells called ACE2, which is what the COVID virus uses as the portal for injecting its RNA to take over your cell. More ACE2s, more chance for morbidity and mortality. Number two, soluble fiber, I mentioned, is uh, uh, metabolized by your colonic bacteria into short-chain fatty acids, butyrate, propionate. These are immune suppressive. They keep the cytokine levels down, and so you don't overwhelm your immune system, and you can actually withstand being uh, um, uh, infected with COVID to a mild degree. And then finally, number three, diabetes. High blood glucose causes, uh, crystallizes around that ACE2 opening and allows that um, virus to uh, inject even greater amounts. So the three things that processed food does are the three things that cause COVID to increase. So chronic disease increases your risk for acute disease. What would you say the single worst thing that processed food has done to our food? Well, uh, to be honest with you, it's done a lot of things, but I think the single worst thing that it has done is it has caused this massive increase in dementia. You know, Hmm. Alzheimer's disease used to be relatively rare. When I was in pathology class as a second-year med student in 1978, Alzheimer's disease was so rare that there was one paragraph in the pathology text about it. We had the only cadaver with Alzheimer's disease in the entire class. And I even did a you know, term paper on it. And now Alzheimer's disease is 20% of all people who reach age 65. So the question is, where did that That's come huge. from? And the answer is, it's the insulin resistance at the level of the brain. It's mitochondrial dysfunction at the level of the brain. And when you fix that, when you fix the food, you can actually improve cognition. You can actually reverse some of the cognitive decline. My colleague, Dr. Dale Bredesen, who was at my book party just yesterday, and we were discussing this, has new data, and he's going to be publishing it shortly. He wrote the book, The End of Alzheimer's, and, you know, it's it's all about the food. It's all about the food. We're with Dr. Robert Lustig. Doc, uh, when I was born, I was about six pounds, six ounces. Now a lot of kids are eight pounds, nine pounds, ten pounds. Why have they gotten bigger? So, in fact, four separate studies, U.S., uh, South Africa, Israel, Russia, we now, newborns now weigh 200 grams, a half a pound more on average than they did 25 years ago. And people say, well, that's better nutrition. No, it's not. It's because of fetal insulin resistance. It's because the sugar crosses the placenta and causes liver fat in the fetus, driving increased insulin, therefore increasing the amount of liver fat. 
and, uh, and, and body fat as well. And we have the DEXA data, we have the liver ultrasound data in newborns to show that these kids are born sick. Interesting. This is, that's fascinating studies. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, and you know what? If you're born sick, you stay sick. Remember that old song, just a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down? Yeah, it also makes the blood pressure go up. How bad is sugar anyway? It's pretty bad. It wasn't the worst thing in our diet. Trans fats were the worst thing, but we finally figured that out. It only took 25 years for the FDA to finally get rid of them. After everybody got clogged arteries and stuff like that. Absolutely. You know, we first realized that trans fats were an issue in 1988. And actually, Fred Kummerow knew it in 1957, and he was suppressed by the food industry. So we've got the first real data in 1988, and it wasn't until 2013 that the FDA finally banned trans fats from our diet. So trans fats were the worst. Now sugar is. Losing weight, how important is that for people? So losing weight makes everybody happy, right? Except your liver. Ultimately, it's what's going on in your liver that matters. Now, sometimes losing weight will cause some liver fat loss too. I'm not saying that losing weight is bad. It's not bad at all. It's good. But ultimately, it's the loss of the liver fat that matters. We did a study at UCSF where we gave 43 kids with metabolic syndrome a diet with very low sugar and substituted with high starch. We did a starch for sugar exchange. These kids didn't lose any weight on purpose. We gave them a scale. And every day, if they lost weight, we said, eat more in mm-hmm. order to keep their weight constant. Right. But we took the sugar out of their diet. We took the pastries out. We put the bagels in. We took the sweetened yogurt out. We put the baked potato chips in. We took the chicken teriyaki out. We put the turkey hot dogs in. Okay, so we didn't give them good food. We gave them lousy food. We gave them ultra-processed food. We gave them kid food, food kids would eat, but it was no added sugar food. Every single aspect of their metabolic health improved in 10 days flat. That's amazing. And their insulin secretion came back to normal. In other words, we reversed their propensity for diabetes in 10 days. That's that's dramatic as all get up. My gosh. that's, That's why we needed to write the book. You know, dentists used to campaign about sugar. I don't. I, had, I don't think I've seen an anti-sugar campaign from the dental association in years. Well, once upon a time, the dentists were the original anti-sugar advocates. They knew back in the 1930s because of their hero, Dr. Weston Price, who knew this. You know, and basically promulgated this amongst all the dentists. But the dentists were very worried when fluoride came along because fluoride reduced the uh, prevalence of dental caries to cavities by about 30 to 40%. And the dentist started thinking, well, gee, who's going to fill the seats? And they started giving out lollipops. The dentists lost their way. They're now coming back on board because now they have cover from the doctors because we now understand just what an enemy sugar is to our health. So what would you recommend what would you recommend Robert as an overall package to an individual if they wanted to start on some kind of program what they don't would you need to start on a program they, All they, they do need not to do is eat real food so how do you know what's real food that's my if next you think question Cheetos is real food then you got a problem 
All right? It's very simple. If a food has a label, it's a warning label. It means something's been done to the food. It's not what's in the food that matters. It's what's been done to the food. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, people thought you are what you eat. When I wrote my first book, Fat Chance, back in 2013, I rephrased it. I said, you are what you do with what you eat, emphasizing the metabolism that goes on inside the body. But you know what? I got it wrong, too. In this book, Metabolical, I rephrase it yet again. You are what they did with what you eat. What have you seen in your career that got you to start thinking the way you're thinking now? Well, you know, I've been interested in how the brain controls hormones and how hormones control the brain for my entire career. Obesity was sort of the final frontier. In 1994, we discovered this hormone called leptin. And leptin is this hormone that's made by your fat cells, goes to your brain and says, you know what? I've got enough energy on board. I don't need to eat that second piece of chocolate cake. It is sort of the thermostat, the servo mechanism on your brain to tell your brain you don't have to keep, you know, consuming. So when your leptin is working right, all is well, and you stay metabolically stable and usually weight stable. Mm-hmm. However, when your leptin is working wrong, your brain sees starvation. It thinks there's not enough fat on your bones, and therefore it ratchets up all of the uh, phenomena, including increased appetite, decreased expenditure. You, know, start, you start sitting on the couch and eating Doritos in an attempt to try to raise your leptin. And the problem is, if your leptin's not working, your leptin can keep going up and going up, and you know what? you're still going to be hungry. And that's what we have today. We have this phenomenon called leptin resistance. The question is, what causes it? The work that I did back in the 1990s and 2000s showed that insulin, the hormone insulin, the energy storage hormone, was also the blocker of leptin signaling. And doesn't that make sense? Because after all, wouldn't it, you expect that the hormone that would cause the energy to be stored would also be the hormone that tells your brain to eat more, to get more energy stored? So that's uh, understanding. Then ask the question, okay, what's wrong with the insulin? And in 2006, it became obvious. Kids were getting the diseases of alcohol without alcohol. Type 2 diabetes and fatty liver disease had never been seen in children. Those were the diseases of alcohol until 1980. And now they are the diseases of children. But children don't drink alcohol. But boy, oh boy, do they consume sugar. And it makes sense because after all, alcohol and sugar metabolize virtually identically in the liver. And we call it wine. I mean, for, you know, for, for wine, the yeast does the first step of metabolism called glycolysis. For sugar, we do our own first step. But after that, the mitochondria are overwhelmed. That mitochondrial dysfunction we talked about before, that's your insulin resistance. Now you've got hyperinsulinemia. Now you've got chronic disease, and you're off to the races. I saw a movie yesterday with the, the late actor Patrick Swayze, who died of liver and pancreatic cancer. A great actor, and I liked him. He, he did those a good job. We came close to getting him on the show. Yeah, all those things. But what causes pancreatic cancer? Well, we don't know. We don't know what causes it, but we know how it grows. Turns out pancreatic cancer has a special enzyme called transketolase, and it takes fructose, 
the sweet molecule in sugar mm-hmm. and turns it into glucose just in the pancreas. So sugar is feeding pancreatic cancer in a big way. The very few patients who have survived pancreatic cancer all had to, you know, went on a ketogenic diet. And that's where your insulin's made too, isn't it? The Absolutely. pancreas? Yeah. It's, it's a double whammy without question. Interesting take of that. We're going to take calls with you next hour, Robert. Uh, the book, Metabolical, where can people get it? Oh, it's on, it's, it's in your local bookstore. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere they sell books, you can find it. What does the food industry say about you? <laughs> what do you think they say? Yeah, we can't repeat it. Um, you know, they, they would like me to go away. They have, you know, tried to discredit me at many, many levels. Ultimately, I'm still standing because the science is my sword and my shield. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.